Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Well, didn't it just get a little bit tense for just a second there in the fourth quarter as the Ravens beat the Browns 23 Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaspar and I'm once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet, Ian Demain and Ben Mortimer. Just the two, just the three of us, can't even count. Not a good start, can't even count. Just the three of us tonight to talk about the Browns win and preview the upcoming Buccaneers game. So we're coming off the back of a nice meetup in Huddersfield. It was nice to see the people who were there and get together and watch the game but let's jump straight into this game Ian it's let's, let's talk about the let's talk about the good first the Ravens built a double digit lead and it all looks fine and then we'll we'll get on to what nearly happened again in the fourth quarter so uh let's talk about the good Gus Edwards we should probably start there shouldn't we we should it was it was great to have Gus back wasn't it it was um it was a bit of a surprise that we got Gus back. Every, everyone else that's come back this year, we've sort of eased them into work and they've they've been on snap counts. You saw it with Dobbins, with Stanley, even with Peters when he came came back. Um and they just they just chucked Gus straight in in this this game. I think the first three touches all all went to Gus, three carries. Um and, and he had himself a bit of a day, didn't he? Sixty six yards, sixteen carries, two two scores. Um, and he just he just looked like himself again, which is which is great news. Yeah, it was really good to see him back. And like you say, it, it's I guess it's such a good sign seeing how they handled Gus versus how they've handled like Ronnie Stanley coming back, who's still in a pitch count. J.K. Dobbins, who was on Twitter saying that he's not getting enough use, and then he's gone back on the IR. So there's something odd going on with J.K. Dobbins there. But um, Ben Gus looked like he'd just been shot out of a cannon straight from the get-go, didn't it? It looks like we've got that old, uh, hard-thumping Ravens offence back. Yeah, he looked like a, a bus, didn't he? he um, from, with Keanu Reeves at the wheel. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was great to see him. And again, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't really see it coming either, um, to the extent that I started Kenyon Drake over him in my fantasy team, <laughs> um, which was terrible, terrible decision. Um, but no, I mean, he, he, you know, he, he looks in great shape. Um, he, he had that explosive burst, and you worry, you know, having been out for a year with the injury that you had, will will that explosion come back? And will that kind of you know initial burst uh, be there? And, and he looked really good. So, uh, kind of half the um, puzzle is 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 complete there with as far as um, the return of the starters, and it's just J.K. is the big. Uh, question mark as to what you know what's going on and, and how bad is the you know it was tightness in the knee last week and now it's uh, a six-week surgery <laughs> or surgery in six weeks out maybe um and it's a shame because you know if uh if he'd uh continued on schedule we'd, we'd suddenly be looking at a really good one-two punch at the moment but even just to have edwards back um leading the, the sort of the starting lineup for running backs is, is a sudden elevation at least up one tier um from what we've been used to in, in both their absences as far as the FA guys who, you know, no disrespect to them. You know, some of them have put some great, you know, Murray last year had some good performances. And uh, as I said, Drake had a really good performance last year in New York and might have legitimately felt a little aggrieved to not get the start this week after putting over 100 yards up. But um, yeah, Gus took his opportunity, two touchdowns. So great to have him back. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with J.K. Dobbins. I mean, I, I am 
probably the most scared of Ravens fans at the moment. I think that came across very apparent on the podcast last week. I'm in, I'm in a dark place with this team and we've seen players come back to this team off a long-term injury, play a couple of games, decide the injuries not quite held up right, i.e. Ronnie Stanley three years ago, and never see them hardly, well, for what, two years for Ronnie Stanley? So I'm a bit concerned with what is going to happen with J.K. Dobbins. I hope it is just a, a minor clean-up and we do get him back for December, January, but sort of colour me scarred on that one. I'm not quite sure what we should hold out much hope there. I think you've got to balance it because... I say Stanley is back now, even though it was a longer than anticipated absence. But as you know, someone on again, I'm coming back to Twitter again. But someone on Twitter <laughs> this week has said, you know, thanks for the memories, J.K., but we need to cut you loose now. You can't stay healthy. I'm like, <laughs> and I hate that sort of this knee-jerk reaction of like, you know, Literal. damn this person's knee for not <laughs> fixing properly. They're a complete lost cause. You know, he's only uh, what in his third year is he? Is his third year? Uh, yeah. JK um, and, and, as I, and as I pointed back out to this person uh, you know Jamal Lewis who's one of the greatest runners in the, in, in, uh, in Ravens history and it's not you know he's obviously a different type of back but you know his rookie season was pretty good um, and then he blew out his ACL in, in training camp in 2001 missed that entire season 2002 wasn't himself he was still recovering from that ACL but 2003 went over 2,000 yards including 295 yards in one game against the Browns so you know it's, it's unfortunate but let's not give up on JK yeah, he he will. I'm pretty confident, especially with the multifaceted skill set he brings, he will be back. You're you're completely right, Ben. And I think a lot of it early season, as Gaz has already said, was coming from J.K. himself. He he pushed himself to get back. He was desperate to play. There was that whole Twitter beef he had with Schefter or Rappaport. I can't remember which one. When he said he'd be back for week one and he'd be ready, and you saw the videos of him in sort of the first couple of weeks he was practicing, where he he he'd catch a ball. But you could still see him limping around the place. And I think a lot of it was coming from him. So hopefully this little surgery, clean it up. Hopefully in, in his own head, he realises, I don't need to rush back. I need to get back right. And there is no rush from the Ravens anymore. If You've got Gus Edwards back and he's healthy. Kenyon Drake's looking like a decent two. Justice Hill's been good this season. He had the, the fumble, which we're going to come on to this, this week. But he's, he's having a good season. There's no rush to get JK back out there. If you can get him for the back end of the season and and fingers crossed a playoff run, fantastic. So you mentioned that the offense is firing okay without J.K. Dobbins at the moment and that's showed through on Sunday with the offense scoring on five of nine possessions. However, there were a few many field goals which we'll get to in a while. 44 rush attempts between the backs and Lamar Jackson, obviously. So they were really feeding the backs. Ian, before we get, we can talk about the offense as the whole and we can get into the red zone, I guess, when we talk about the bad in the moment. Can we just start by talking how nice of a play call that Mark Andrews pitched to Lamar was? It, it, it was great. Roman gets a lot of hate and, he, and he's getting a lot of hate this week. But he showed that Mark Andrews, I can't remember what game it was, with, with the sneak when Andrews came in under centre and we needed, I think it was for fourth and one, and Andrews sneaked it a yard. We, he's now added in another wrinkle because... Andrews comes over under centre in this one. There's the threat of the QB sneak. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. So that now the Browns are thinking, well, they're just trying to get us to jump offside. So they relax a little bit. And he turns around and flips it to Lamar, who, by the way, makes one defender miss there. And, and Lamar's in the end zone. He, that's, he's not far away from a, from a touchdown on that play. It wasn't the only one. But 
but that's on tape now. So so you've got the the Mark Andrews sneak to worry about, the the getting them to jump offside, the flipping it back to Lamar, uh, and they're going to run that play, and Lamar will throw a pass at one stage this yeah. season. They'll flip it. They'll flip it back to Lamar. Justice Hill, someone who's running out to block, will just keep going down the sideline, and there'll be a, a nice little floated pass over the top. So yeah, really really nice play design from. from do Roman. do we know if Mark Andrews can throw the ball? Have we seen Mark Andrews throw the ball in practice yet? Because that could be another another little wrinkle well, we well, had my, to this little my scheme. My player prop last week, what, I, I wasn't on the podcast, but I told you, didn't I? I said, my player yep. prop was someone other than Lamar was going to attempt to pass. And when Mark Andrews was stood under centre, I thought, this is it. This, they're going to they're do something <laughs> silly here. Um, I'm glad he didn't throw a pass because I'm not sure I want to see it. But yeah. You can, and Mark Andrews could do everything. Of course, he can throw a pass. He can do a 50-yard spiral straight into the arms. I, I, I'm... I, Guarantee it. Let's see if we can see that wrinkle coming in. It's worth noting on that play, just to mention Justice Hill. Justice Hill is going to get, unfortunately, tarred with a bad brush throughout the from the key fumble, and rightly so. And you know how Harbour treats people who fumble in key situations. We might not see Justice Hill for a couple of weeks as he's working his way out of the doghouse. But up until then, he had a really quite a good, put quite a good game together. And on that Lamar run, Justice Hill throws a really nice block just to to clear the clear the edge up from Lamar Jackson to go there. Like you say, he was he was one person away from um, being in the end zone. Lamar actually, there was another play in the second half where, and I think I've actually got this in the in, in the bad of Lamar not quite looking himself. Where Lamar is one is, is one shaking one safety away from being in the end zone. So this this whole Baltimore running team is really coming back. Ben, I'm not sure if you noticed this this week, but we actually ran a successful screen. Something that we've sort of been unable to do um, with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. We actually managed to get a screen out to Patrick Ricard and it went for positive yardage. So that's signs that things are getting back together, is it? Probably, I think I might be getting the wings at that point. But yeah, if you say so, good. Glad to hear it. <laughs> Honestly, I've not watched it back. But they also, but that's great. It's great to know. They also <laughs> missed one to Kenyon Drake, who again missed one as well. would have been yeah. in the end zone. Had I, I think it got tipped, to be fair. But but Drake would have been in the end zone as well on that one. Um, it's, we're going to come on to the bad in the offence, and, and a lot of it's on execution. It's just still those, those misfires. I don't think, I mean, because I don't think it was an issue that we ran the ball so many times. I think James said last week that you know, the Browns were not good against the run. So, I mean, it was obvious that the, the offensive game plan was going to be predicated on running. Um, and I think we did it really well. Um, so, you know, if you, that is kind of Ravens football, especially the way this offense is built. And you know, if we can actually find success on getting, you know, most of the time we were getting five yards of carry on the first down. And once you get into that position, it's just stupid not to. It's like you know, get, especially after the last few weeks, that the biggest thing is clock management, getting control of the game, and also being in a position to put the game away at the end of it by running the ball on the ground. So you know, I think Lamar had a slight issue with maybe he didn't, <laughs> but the number of times we attempted to throw in the game, and certainly a lot of people out there were saying that we didn't throw it enough. And it's like you know, one week you're saying. Why doesn't Greg Roman run the ball, Greg? Run the ball, Greg. And then it's like, oh, throw the ball, Greg. Throw the ball. So I, I, I <laughs> didn't have any problem at all with the actual offensive game plan this week. It, it is quite funny. We've come full circle. We've gone from from everyone calling for the Ravens to pass more to suddenly for them to run more. And now we're back to we need to pass more. Like, it, like you say, it's game to game. The, the Browns had terrible run defense. Yes, they've been passed all over by everyone as well. But the Ravens were never going to come in and throw the ball all over them when... 
when they can they can run it as you say with ease. Okay, let's look to the other side of the ball then, Ian. The defense holds Cleveland to 258 yards passing and no touchdowns. A good a good sign from the defense that we, we we're getting on track. Yeah, I, I put I put this in the show script because you you say 258 yards and that sounds quite a lot, but it's about the Browns' average for for what they pass. And you go back and look at the previous weeks against the Bills and um, I can't even remember who we played the Giants, and and we're keeping teams to about their average or below as a passing defense. Which the first couple of weeks of the season we were giving up 400s. So so you have to see this as a, as an improvement. Yes, there's still the odd the odd big play, but the you know, with with Marcus Williams missing, especially, I think the secondary play, or the defense as a whole, have, have really stepped up, and and I think we have to be we have to be pleased with what they're doing, from what we saw the first two or three weeks of the season when when the alarm bells were ringing. And Ben, we started to see the uh, defensive line and the outside linebackers. Well, so I guess all of the defense really show up and start getting on the stat sheet getting the quarterback to the floor. That's something we haven't really seen from this Ravens defense for a while. Five times we got uh, reset on the floor. Queen had one, Campbell had one, Hamilton had one, and Houston had two, one of them being a strip. That's a really good looking sign, isn't it? It is, and those names mentioned there, we didn't mention JPP, who uh, also had a, a really strong uh, outing, especially in the first quarter. He was everywhere in, in Brissett's face. He, he you know, really kind of come out ready for the game and was fired up. So you know, he made some good early plays too. But yeah, it was really good to see um, finally some 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 pressure um, coming from non ridiculously blitz happy packages and 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 players who are there to do the role of of putting pressure on the quarterback, actually getting to him and getting it done. Um, and yeah, and, and great to see Houston back as well because he yeah he was injured not too long ago and uh, and he he had a strong showing. Um, and every time those guys have performances like that, it gives away man more room to maneuver because they're having to actually account for guys who are being effective. And um, yeah, and, and OA had himself a good game. We had the one uh, you know moment where he was actually sent to coverage. He he, he went to uh, dramatically the other way when the rest of the guys <laughs> blitzed and. Uh, <laughs> So no one ever accused uh, yeah, the Raging Ravens coaching staff of not mixing it up with their way man and putting him actually into coverage when they think he's going to blitz. But um, no, it was um, uh, one of the elements of the game I couldn't complain with. It's something we've been crying out for is, uh, is D-line pressure and edge pressure. Um, and uh, it was there on, on Sunday. So that was definitely a positive. I'll give a shout out to Alex Harker, who I was sat with for most of the game on Sunday at the meetup in Huddersfield. And we were talking about um, Justin Houston and he'd said that he'd, he'd seen online that um, it was all, they were easing him back in and it was only going to be used in um, passing down situations, obvious passing downs, I think it was phrased as. So we were sort of talking through the early, early part of the game about, well, what is an obvious passing down? And then it sort of got to one and then before Justin Houston comes flying off the edge and puts Brissett on the floor. And then I think it was like the next play, they're like, oh, well, they're going to have to pass again here. So then he comes again, shooting off the same edge, puts them on the floor and takes the ball out. And we were just sat there like, well, I guess that's I guess that's good. Like, obvious passing down. He, he, he comes on and makes a play. Do you think, Ian, do you think that's what we're going to see out of Justin Houston? Almost that 
that that snap count limit to keep his legs fresh and, and to keep his motor going. Definitely. He played 16 snaps in this game and he had two sacks. That's it. 16 snaps was all he played. And I think when you get Bowser back, what you're going to see is you're going to see Houston and JPP in that role where they have 15 snaps each, just pure pass rushing snaps. So keep them fresh, just let them loose. You know, these guys are a Hall of Fame caliber players who are, who are getting on in age, but they know what they're doing. If you get them out there for 15 snaps a game, rushing the passer, they're going to they're gonna cause trouble. And we spoke about the Ravens' outside linebackers and and what a weakness it is. But it, it's turning into a strength. The whole the whole D line is the the Ravens. I, I said this on Twitter this week. Have been accused of having no pass rush. They're they're fifth in the league in in sacks so far this this year. Um, I think it's something stupid like twelve sacks in the last three games. You know, mul- multiple sack games, and they're coming from everywhere. It's not just the outside linebackers. Calais Campbell, Mada BK, they're, they're all getting involved. So, yeah, re- really, uh, really pleasing. And all this with reinforcements coming. I think we'd sort of said earlier on in the year as we, the Ravens are talking about signing wide receivers that, well, we actually need someone to play outside linebacker. All, all of a sudden, it's late October, nearly November. As you say, Bowser's coming back. Uh, are we going to see a Jabo this year? It, it's looking lightly at this point. And all of a sudden, we're going to have a be actually deep at, at pass rusher and have those have the ability to just have those guys come out there and and get to the passer which will be excellent for the ravens i think i've got some music here that i need to play where is my music that i need to play this one if you don't know this is the <laughs> official apologizing music of the uk ravens podcast unfortunately this time it is my turn to apologize and i owe seemingly um an apology to to number six to number six patrick queen um me and you have had a tough ride number six firstly for playing in number six i wasn't happy about that um and then also for wearing number six and playing pretty terribly not having any hands at one point, I likened you to animated Carl Lightning McQueen, and we discussed that he may be a better linebacker, even though he does not have any arms. Um, sorry to Patrick Queen, who actually, guys, let's cut this music out. Actually, guys, had a stunner. Has anyone, has, has anyone got anything bad to say about Patrick Queen at this point? I mean, there were two back-to-back plays on the Browns, basically on the Browns goal line, the Browns on offense with 99 yards with the field in front of him. And Patrick Queen just came flying through. I think was it the, was it was that the sack? It was the sack first time around, wasn't it? it was the sack the first time around and then he got um Nick Chubb on the second time. But sort of comes flying through, gets the sack, has well, something that he hasn't been doing and what's been my biggest bugbear about Patrick Queen over the the course of the podcast is that is all we've I've never argued that he hasn't got a good motor and he obviously has a good instinct for the game. It was just that last 10% of finishing. And for the last two, nearly three weeks now, it's just come out and been an absolute finisher. So it comes flying through the line, um, takes Brissett to the floor, and the Browns get back in the huddle and no one thinks to say, oh, should we try marking number six this time? <laughs> Again, they just they just line up. And... Patrick Queen on the second play could have actually tackled both of them. It would, I guess, it would have been another sack. But he, 
He stops at the line to just to sort of take a second to see what's going on. Brissette sees number six flying through again and went, oh yeah, Chubb, you, you have this one. And he takes Chubb to the floor. I mean, it was just two back-to-back plays, but overall, Ben, Patrick Queen's looking... Wait, something's happened over the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Well, he's played the Giants and the Browns, which helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just balancing, just balancing things. I'm not ready to anoint him top queen yet, but um, <laughs> but I I do think he's had a couple of storming games, and you have to give him credit for that. Um, I, I think he, you know, you're right that he's always had sort of fundamental good ball playing skills. Um, it's just been. Um, Against, I guess, I'd, I'd like to see, and I think he'll probably have another good game this week against Brady and that porous uh, you know, Bucks line and, and the fairly predictable offense they play. I think he does better against uh, slower moving offenses, and, and it's, it's against the likes of Josh Allen where I worry um, about Patrick Queen um, you know, more than against the Browns. But uh, you know, you have to give him credit for the last couple of weeks. He's played really well. Um, he's finished. Which is an important thing, you know the the amount of slightly mis uh, misjudged angles uh, or not completed tackles have infuriated me about Queen over the years, um, and uh, maybe he's uh, yeah maybe he just needed to warm up a bit this year. So yeah, he was he was terrific, and it was eleven eleven total tackles, seven solo, one sack. Uh, so yeah, it was, and obviously the you know forced fumbles too helped. So um, yeah, it, he was uh, he was terrific. If if PFF grades are, are your thing, then he's the Ravens' highest graded defensive player for three weeks running now, after being you know absolutely hated on by PFF for the best part of a couple of years. The the only disappointment thing with with Queen is the Ravens' Twitter account have got to stop this Queen of the North nonsense. Every time he makes a play, they they tweet that out, and I just die a little bit inside. So yeah, we I've not even seen that. We, That's we need, yeah, we need to get rid of this. I mean, we're playing Thursday night, so we'll, we'll play Whitney Houston get Queen of the Night. <laughs> oh, God. Let's start talking about special teams. I can't do this anymore. Um, special teams, I guess the last of the good. Um, believe it or not, uh, Ian, the Ravens are quite good at special teams. We've got this um, kick you might have heard of, Justin Tucker. He's got a 55-yarder on the night. And then Jordan Stout, as well as holding Tucker's balls, which he's proven to be pretty good at now. Um, comes build out your with, biceps, that's for sure. <laughs> comes out with a couple of, well, three punts total, 169, get in, 62 yards. Um, and Duvernay as well, just want to talk about all the special teams and, and how this looks in the third phase. Just just really quickly, like the, the special teams are always good. DVOA ranking, special special teams are one. There's no surprise there. Justin Tucker's Justin Tucker. I I actually thought Jordan Stout kind of changed the momentum of the game in this one. His his very first punt was an absolute bomb. He's obviously packed packed the driver this week. And and he backed he backed them right up. Um, which I think he's been a little bit, you know, I I've been a little bit underwhelmed with him so far, but he absolutely boomed a couple this week. Devin Duvernay's just showing he's he's the best returner in in the league. Um, just sets sets up the offense in in great position. And then we'll give a shout to Malik Harrison as well, who used his face to block the the field goal, whether it was a, a penalty or not, and it pushed him back. Who cares? It hit Malik in the head, and it didn't go over. That's all that matters. There was a Jordan Stout punt as well. I'm just trying to find it. Um, 
that was almost downed within like the one yard line. It was just well, a, he was, it was then a head... he was shoved out the way, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Just defender. Head... I was just trying to give credit to whoever that guy was for the hustle, and I guess the Browns mm. guy for having the heads up play to right. Was it right at the end of the fourth quarter? I think it was pretty anyway, late on, wasn't it? Yeah, I might even been the, the last last drive. Yeah. Um. So that could have been again a um a perfect coffin corner ball as well. So um. Yeah, really good, really good showing. And and Duvernay, not only is he um, playing his part in special teams, he had a really nice catch down um, out, outside the numbers. Lamar Jackson can throw deep outside the numbers, it, it seems, um, and had a really nice catch down the sideline. And so he's, all, he's also showing his worth in the offense as well. Okay, we knew we were going to have to do it. So it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, unfortunately. Um, I think everyone at the meetup, we're all in... Um, a very similar mindset, which started out joking, um, carried on joking. We had a bit of a laugh. Oh, it's not the fourth quarter yet. It's not the fourth quarter yet. Then the fourth quarter came and all of a sudden these jokes came to absolute reality. We had heads in his hands and we didn't know what was going on. We had the fumble and it, it all nearly went, well, they went horribly wrong. So let's sort of try and work out why that was, Ben. I guess the red zone woes continue with we chatted chat about this last week another week where the the ravens just keep getting into the red zone and and just can't put the final nail in the coffin and and we trot number nine out there wasn't it yeah um and and it's just like the the efficiency the i mean who who does it come down to when it comes to executing plays in the red zone is it is it the play calling or is it the personnel or is it the quarterback um yeah it, it it just was sloppy it was it was doing what we've done uh a lot of the season um and just not seeming to have the the control um or the authority to get to, to take this out the six points at that point um you know the, the touchdown brings and um there's I, I can't really put my finger on it it's 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 one of those you, you watch it and you you just think, well, I, I don't know what, what, yeah, what, why is it not being, uh, what, why are we not being more ruthless? And and yeah, last season it, it was more times than not we get in the red zone and it would be, I don't know what the stats are, but I felt like it felt kind of like a four out of five time we get in the red zone we score a touchdown um, by sheer dominance of our running game by variety of having Lamar to actually do the necessary within the last 10 yards, whether it was just the pure threat that Lamar poses as far as being able to get in the in the end zone. Uh, I think that they're relying on him to maybe do that at the point of uh, when it's critical to get the six, and he's taking that on his shoulders and it's just not working out. Um, so... I, I don't know. It's just it's just sloppy. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry for the lack of scientific analysis of it. No, I, um, I, think, I think you're right. I think there's there's no this this would be a much easier conversation for all of us if any of us could sit here and say that is the problem. But it, it's almost who is the problem or what is the problem is almost an ever changing thing and all we need is for it just, it just all to come together it always feels like if maybe if Roman's having a good play calling game like this Sunday I don't think we can put the finger on there's a few people on Twitter trying to put the point the finger at Roman as everyone always does on Twitter but 
it was it was probably Lamar that looked out this week. And in previous weeks, it's Lamar that's looked hot, but that Roman's been out. Ian, they just they don't seem to be able to get this together. Let, let's talk about this week specifically, rather than sort of rambling on about what's going on because this is all we seem to be doing every week at the moment. And um, what 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 happened with Lamar this week? You just he just didn't quite look himself, did he? Yeah, just, just to jump on that quickly, all the efficiency metrics, everything tells you the Ravens are a good offense. They've scored five times out of nine drives, blah, blah, blah. But they're, they're not scoring touchdowns. They they do seem reluctant to run the ball in the red zone. I don't know why that is. Maybe getting Gus back changes things there. One one thing that I've noticed, I don't know, take, take away Mark Andrews in the red zone, I don't know who the ball's going to. And for as much as I, I killed Marquise Brown, he was incredibly good in the red zone. He, he's a tiny little receiver. He's very shifty. But he caught, for a deep threat, he caught an awful lot of his touchdown passes in the red zone. And I just don't know outside Mark Andrews who that other threat is. Is it Bateman? Is it likely? There needs to be options. So so there's there's my my take on that. And, I, and I'm guessing if you're looking at Andrews as the key threat and the Browns zeroed in on that, I mean, he was zero catches for zero yeah. yards yeah. Uh, on Sunday. So, I mean, if they've removed him and we're going yeah. pass heavy as we did, then you've got to find someone else, as you say, Ian. Yeah, just just to go on to your, your Lamar point, though. He, for me, something doesn't look right. Lamar doesn't look happy. And I don't know whether he's he's had this injury. He's had a, an elbow injury and a hip injury. He's, he's popped up on the injury report a couple of times. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if he's going at ho- going home at night and thinking... I've got $200 million on the line here. I need to be better. I don't know if he absolutely hates Greg Roman. I don't know. He just doesn't look happy. You know, you can you can tell with Lamar when he's on the sideline, he's, he's laughing and joking. Something just doesn't look right with him. And um, I'm, I'm not sure what it what it is. He was fine in this game. He was, he was efficient when he needed to be. He didn't turn the ball over. Um, he had a couple of those moments where he, he goes for the hero play and it doesn't work out. But I think you've got to take them with Lamar because the chances are six, seven times out of ten, he will make something stupid happen and he'll, he'll make two or three defenders miss and, and he'll take one to the house. It just didn't work out this game. So I think you take those those bad plays with it as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. But something with this offense isn't right. The luck sort of hasn't really been on Lamar's side this year. You take like six times out of ten, he's making magic happen on these broken plays. But actually what we've had for the last three weeks really is for the four out of 10 back to back. And we haven't really, we had, we had the, was it the Bills game where we had the, the mad catch? Um, other than that, it's been, it has been flat. I'd, I'd seen a weird theory going around that Lamar's playing for his contract. So he's adamant he's going to stick in the pocket because he's trying to prove himself as a pocket passer because that's where he's going to get paid as a pocket passer and not as a runner. Um, I'm not sure I necessarily believe that, but it, it I guess it's a theory that you could look into, but as you're saying, he just even running, he doesn't look the same. There was we mentioned it earlier on the podcast. There was a play. It was it was the sweep that they always use. The sweep the running back across a huge. And I'm sure. Um, I'm surprised I don't know it. James has meant, told me what play it is that many times. It, the a gap I think is wide open. <laughs> Lamar goes flying through it and he's one on one with the safety. We, we've seen this play for the last three four years, and every time Lamar steps to safety and is in the end zone. And against the Browns, he just sort of broke down a little bit, had a wobble, and almost 
picked the wrong way. I, I think, and again, this is all great. Me sat in my house in Yorkshire telling them out which way, which side of the safety should go and when I'm not running it in real time. But it just sort of looked like the left was open. He sort of took the harder side and just doesn't, doesn't quite look himself ben what's your theory on this what do you think it's down to for lamar is he is he playing for more money is it an injury thing you are lamar jackson ben what's what's going on with, what's going on in your head um <laughs> <laughs> i think he's uh i think he's lost some mojo um that's the best way to describe it is some lamar mojo is gone um i think we need to get the sound effect from The Simpsons when Mojo says, pray for Mojo. That's the monkey that's overfed by Homer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, no. Obscure Simpsons <laughs> rev. <laughs> it's, I was thinking about, his, his name was Mojo. Now, I think, uh, I, I, I think that there is something up with Lamar. Uh, Ian's, um, well, everyone, I think, has a feeling about it. Um, and you can see it. Their body language is a thing. Um, and... And and when you obsess over the Ravens like we do and watch so much, so many games and so many highlight reels and so many wired programs, you can see when when guys are on and when they're off and when they're a little something's not quite right. And and there is that the pro, the problem is none of us really know what the root cause is. So I'm kind of rehashing what Ian said here, but um, yeah, I, I think that Lamar is a young guy that is. Um, worldly in that he basically takes on board a lot of things that go on outside of his world and i think he spends he does spend time on social media and he also personally responds to and reacts to comments on social media so he's seeing what people are saying and i think to an extent some of that is residing in his head whether it's you know the value of the contract and and the contract he turned down and what he's playing for now um i don't think it's necessarily directly affecting his game as far as conscious decisions on the field to i'm going to be a pocket passer um but yeah you can see it in the, in the weekly product that he isn't i'm not sure he's lost his his zip or or, or half a yard of pace um but uh, he doesn't look as naturally free um when he runs um or and there seems to be a, a half second more of hesitancy over sort of decision making that he would have just instantly gone for last year so um it is an issue um and i'm not sure what the the solution is i think he i think physically he's he's okay um but it needs to be obviously addressed within uh, within the team and with them with the coaching staff to get the best out of him because um as we've said, you know, there are other elements of this team that are kind of slowly coming together a bit. Um, and, but, but the biggest linchpin of that is Lamar. So hopefully they'll figure out a way to um, progress positively so that he's happier and we get some... It's not like, you know, we've had the ridiculous performances. We said the first three, four weeks of the season, he was ridiculous levels of performance. So, um, you know, I'm kind of guilty here of, of, of kind of a knee-jerk reaction to the last yeah. couple of games uh, where, you know, this this Thursday he could go off and run for 200 yards and throw five touchdowns and then we're all happy again. But but I think that doesn't negate the fact that there is something going on with him. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was I was one of the, the drunk people in the stadium for the third quarter of the Miami game chanting MVP because it came out and started the season so hot and... It, maybe we are just overreacting to the last few weeks. Ben, you mentioned a good point about the, the the everything else is starting to come together, and 
this is almost we we just waited on this now. The O line's looking better now. Ronnie Stanley's back in. Makari's back. We've we're seeing we're seeing the the O line get shuffled around and it, it's working really well. Um, the defense appears to be coming together. Um, and I I sort of made some snide comments earlier in the this season of the podcast when people are like, oh, we need to trade for a wide receiver. And I, I was always saying, oh, this what connects wide receiver, play outside linebacker. But oh, I, might, I might come around to this idea now. I don't know if this is almost what it is. I'm not sure that Deshaun Jackson is the um, the missing puzzle piece to this, but you sort of, you want you want to be thinking, I, I mean, I'm, I'm now at the point today where I've been checking Twitter throughout the day thinking record a podcast tonight. I'm starting to see players move in. I think we're all sort of sat by thinking this is this is the time to Costa now. This is the time to go get someone, take the pressure off Bateman, who had another tough outing. He did his um his best uh, Marquise Brown impression on one long reception where he, he caught the ball in midfield, stepped inside, looked like it was in a head end zone, and then just headed straight towards the nearest sideline to not get hit. He had one key drop, which is starting to go probably he's very very Marquise Brown and we almost need to bring in that number one where we take the pressure off the young kid to have to be the number one let him sit as a strong number two and and try and bring that number one in Ben you're pulling faces at me is is Bateman <laughs> is Bateman not a Marquise Brown in your eyes I, th- I think you're doing a disservice. I mean, it's not, I think Mark Marquis has a lot of qualities, but I think Bateman has a higher ceiling as far as next receiver. And I still, I'm still really, really on the Bateman bandwagon. So I think yes, he's he's not had. I mean, he just came back from a foot injury as well. Yeah. Um, he didn't like Marquis Brown. And this was, yeah, this is probably his, this is probably his worst game. Yeah. Um, but from everything that we've seen from him in his last year at Minnesota. And his rookie season at the Ravens until he got hurt, or, you know, when he played. He actually, you know, missed some games last year. But um, I think that he's on the on track um, to, to to progress to uh, a wide receiver one. But I don't disagree that we could do with um, another weapon at receiver. But the question is, who's it going to be at this point? We'll, yeah, I think we'll record, I just look, oh, sorry. Ian. Sorry, we'll, we'll record another podcast before the trade trade deadline. So I'm sure we'll hear from from creepy Eric DaCosta next week. Um, yeah. But there are there are names starting to be banded around. You've all seen the DJ Moore talk from the Panthers, Elijah Moore at the Jets, uh, Jerry Judy at the, the Broncos is getting a lot of a lot of talk now. So and let's be clear, it's going to be none of these people. Oh, no, no. It's, no, going, to, it's well, going to be somebody completely out of left field. It, it'll, be, it'll be a cornerback. The Ravens will go and, <laughs> go and trade for a cornerback. But, but DaCosta is at least shown willing that the Marcus Peters, the Calais Campbell, he's traded for players before. He gets he gets stick for not, you know, he, he didn't pull off the Stefan Diggs or the, or the big move. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if DaCosta's at least trying something. I, I think it's Odell Beckham. I think I think he's waiting on Odell Beckham. It's it's the right time. Like I say, we've got not we've got an, an easy schedule. Like the Jags look to be the hardest team that we'll play until we play the Bengals on the last week of the year. Which, as we've said, we're hoping we might not need to even think about playing them too hard on what, on what the result's going to be. Is going to be cautious about what we've got to do with the cap with the Lamar Jackson um, contracts coming. We don't like giving high draft picks away. Not everyone's going to trade a good player for a fifth round pick, unfortunately. So I'm I'm sure Eric's picking up the phone is is trying, but it feels like Odell Beckham to me. There, it feels like we're there, sliding there, off the street. 
there was reports this week that Beckham's a little bit further behind than people thought he was, wasn't there? I think right, okay. that he might not be back until sort of December time rather than, I think people were talking November and I think that's that's now pushed back to December. But he's another, as you, he's been mentioned a lot to the, the Ravens and it, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. I think I'd rather him than the names being mentioned because I mean, all the FA, or not FA receivers, the receivers that are potentially up for trade, none of them particularly excite me. I mean, from what they've done at their current teams. Are you talking about Elijah Moore, who's been getting one look a game? We're talking about Jerry Judy, who is a phenomenon coming out of college and has flattered to deceive ever since he started for the Broncos with Russell Wilson, who's obviously not the same Russell Wilson as he was in Seattle. But again, I hate to bang the drum here. Guys on my fantasy team, he does nothing. Okay, so <laughs> why is he going to start doing something in a run-heavy Ravens <laughs> offense? Don't get it. So yes, bring in OBJ, bring in a a splash, proven yeah. former stud receiver, and see what can happen with that. Yeah, let's let's go get stud. I think everything looks right. Then you want to see Bateman as your two, you want to see Duvernay as your three, you want to see Jones Prochet on the street. Like everything sort of falls into into place. Then and at the moment, we just sort of feel. A little bit offset by one. Th- those numbers you've just mentioned, you've got to push them all down one because Mark Andrews is one. Like, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mark, yeah. Mark Andrews is always one in this offense. And for people that that are on the wide receiver wide receiver train, they're banging on about we need a wide receiver, we need a wide receiver. Mark Andrews is that for the Ravens. You look at his numbers and compare them to Stefan Diggs or someone like that for the last two years. They're almost identical. Mark Andrews is that player for the Ravens. Okay, well, let's um, see what how the um, I guess not, you can't see him do it, turn anything around before this Thursday night game. But you've then got ten days. You've then got a longer week. That feels like the week where Eric DeCosta is going to go out and, and really have a push and start making some calls. So let's see what happens. The last thing we've got to talk about on the bad before we get into our Raven of the week is the Justice Hill fumble. <sighs> Again, so back to this game. It's it's in the fourth quarter. The the, the sky is falling on the meet. I'm sure the sky is falling in Ravens fans' living rooms up and down the country. It, the, that fourth quarter is happening again. I don't want to spend too much time on this because Justice Hill is going to get painted with a, a bad brush here. When actually, I said to James throughout that, sort of, as we're driving down the field, we, we, we were almost doing what the Ravens needed to do. We were putting a long drive together. It was looking fine. Now, I'd said on the way down that, Every time Justice Hill gets tackled, he doesn't seem to have a good grip on the ball. And I, I sort of mentioned to this, I said, that ball looks like it's going to come out. So as soon as the ball came out, I'm in, I'm up in arms in the pub thinking, I, I could see it from Huddersfield. How could no one see it in the field? But ac- actually, on that play, as he gets contact, you see he brings the ball up, it's protecting it with both hands. And it was just a stunning play by the Browns defender. And we can't hold too... Other than bad luck, Ian, we can't hold too much against him there, can we? The, the, the Ravens were doing it. They were doing exactly what we wanted them to do. They were killing the clock in the fourth quarter. They were driving down and we were going to either run the clock out or kick a field goal and everyone would have gone home happy and there would have been no worries at all. And and you're right. And the, the, the best thing I can point you to is um, go and find Spencer on Twitter, Ravens for, for Dummies, and he's posted the play of this clip. And I can't say the Browns guy, guy's name. It's Jeremiah Okay. That's the it's a hell of a play. The guy's the guy's almost beat. Justice has almost beat him, and he dives Superman and punches at the ball and, and punches it out. So 
I mean, it's a fantastic play. Go go and find it on Twitter. Spencer's broken it down on there. It's yeah. I'm not sure we can. You want justice to be holding onto that ball for dear life. He knows himself; he can't fumble in that situation. He he has to. So, I think we have to give the the Browns player some some credit. He's paid to make plays, and, and he made one there. And so, Ben, where was your where was your head at in this moment of the game? Then, um, Justice Hill just coughed up. <laughs> Justice Hill just coughed up the ball. <laughs> the Browns come out and then immediately throw a deep sh- shot to Peoples Jones, mm-hmm. which puts them straight into field goal range. Where, where, what, what, what's your, what's your mind doing at this point? It, it was just, it was almost kind of just a um, surreal. I mean, it was surreal, <laughs> but it was deja vu. It, it was like it's happening again. It was expected. We knew this was going to happen. It was too, too good. And I was saying, going to the fourth quarter. You know, I, I actually had to give you a background as to where I was in this because obviously I couldn't make Huddersfield, but um, found out a few months ago. I may have mentioned it on the podcast that the guy who lives opposite me is actually a Ravens fan. He sort of. Walked walked opposite sides of the street one day, and we were both wearing Ravens hoodies. And we went, "Whoa!" <laughs> I gotta so, say. <laughs> um, so I invited. So he was over uh, with his uh, with his daughters and and my daughters, and I'd made uh, a selection of wings, including Old Bay honey wings. I'm getting a bit off the off the script here, <laughs> but uh, they were delicious, and it was very Maryland themed. So um, <laughs> I kept going out of the room to get more wings because I was getting more nervous and thinking <laughs> if I if I do this, things will be okay. And then I came back, and, and they weren't. But it was, it was a case. He asked me for my where I was and what I was doing, how my reaction was um, in the kitchen, uh, but, crying. But but, but it, I had a weird kind of calm come over me because I just thought it's happening every week now. This is the way it's going to be this year. We're going to screw it up. Um, and and it didn't really. It felt certainly for a couple of minutes like there was no hope, like like the previous weeks where. Um, the other team had kind of rest, wrested control of the game from us and we couldn't get it back without them doing something stupid. And then luckily, luckily, we were playing the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, I, mean, I, I mean, I guess we're going to have to talk about it. False start? Yes. Not a false, yes. Undoubted. Undoubted yeah. false start. I, I, it was definitely a false start. I'm not sure it's where the, the referees thought it was, though. I mean, you, you can see that the centre moves the ball twice, which you, you can't do. There is some movement on the left-hand side of the line, and they called it right over on the right where I think it's Calais Campbell comes balling through when, when someone's moved. So, yeah, I'm not sure it's where the referees called it, but it was definitely a false start. Walter, he'll, he'll, he'll have missed it from, what would it be? I think, yeah, the way it went, he'd have missed it, anyway. it from 40, wouldn't he? So. Yeah. So we don't talk about that. All right, okay. Let's get on to our. Let's put these Browns win behind us. Uh, oh, because Ravens week of the week first. So, Ben, you're up first. Who is your Raven of the week for the Browns game? Oh, I mean, let's give it to Patrick Queen. You know, I know you probably wanted Patrick Queen, didn't you? Again, no, but, I, I think uh, I've got. I think I've got an outsider pick here. Okay, I, I know um, I always have to go last, so I have to really go through and try and find the the diamond of the in the rough. Why Patrick Queen? But well, I think because he did everything you want um, of of a linebacker leading your your defense um, and and getting the job done. And as I said, he led the team in tackles. He, he you know. Uh, had the sack. He he was constantly applying pressure where he needed to. He got all of his angles right. He uh, completed every play, um, and he looked fired up as well, Patrick Queen. And you saw after some of those seconds, he was like, "Oh, which you don't always see from Patrick Queen." So yeah. I, I think uh, you know when after some rough games, 
and some slander from you, Gaz, uh, we have to give credit where it's due. So I'll go with that beautiful singular number six, Patrick Queen. It's um, worth mentioning that the uh, Super Bowl 47 team were in the stadium. You've got to think if there's ever a time for a defense to turn up, having um, Suggs, Ed Reed, uh, Ray Lewis and co looking down on you from above. That's that's not the time you want to show up as an outside, as a linebacker for the Ravens. Ian, who have you got? So I've, I've been off the podcast for two weeks and I've taken some shots over this uh, <laughs> this segment for my, for my picks. Um, somehow, it, it, you know, I seem to always pick the, the obvious choice. Having not, so I'm going Gus Edwards. Ha- having not picked Lamar at all, <laughs> uh, I think I might be the only person that hasn't picked Lamar so far. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you, Gus Edwards. I'm gonna leave him on the board. Gaz for you, or Shane, or, or James. Someone you take can, my guy. Now someone I've got can loads take of him. Stats written down about. I'm, I'm definitely not. Gonna, I'm definitely not going to take your guy. And my guy will get no, no votes at all. But I mentioned him earlier, and I think he, he changed the momentum of this game. So. I'm going to give my Raven of the Week to Jordan Stout. Fine. Happy with that. Bye, Jordan Stout. I just, as I say, I I was really confident this game. I thought we'd we'd steamroll the Browns. I thought we'd come out firing. We'd, we'd, we'd be all over them. And the, the first quarter started and and I just thought, hang on, this isn't how it's supposed to go. This isn't this isn't the way. And and we were in a little bit of trouble and he absolutely boomed that first punt. I think, in fact, I think the first punt might have had a flag on it. He might have had to redo it. And he just flipped the field position, and uh, I think the defense then stood up, made a maybe a three and out, and, and got us back into. I just felt momentum change at that that stage, and I just think we we really needed that. Okay, I'm gonna go Gino Stone. Gino Stone. I, the, the reason I've been trying, I, I don't know if Gino Stu- Stone is still playing on the punt team. So I can't think if it was him that was almost down the ball in the one yard line. I, I think have... it was I think it was one of the backup cornerbacks. Oh, I'm trying to think who it was. To have 26 in bed. But anyway, Gino yeah. Stone, um eight tackles all solo. Um he was third in the team. Every one of his tackles was solo. Early on in the game there was a play where I mean um Nick Chubb was running past um Calais Campbell. Sometimes Calais Campbell was bouncing off him and Gino Stowe came and grabbed hold of him around the waist and just held him up for long enough for the rest of the team to come and get him. Um, the sack that was accredited to Kyle Hamilton was Gino Stone's. Gino Stone came in off the edge. He disrupted the play. He sort of got him a bit wobbly. Kyle Hamilton came through and finished him off. Uh, and then sort of went unnoticed. And it, it's one of those plays that very rarely comes off anyway. But it was actually Gino Stone that both forced the forced the fumble on the last play when the Browns were trying to run the hook and ladder to Peoples-Jones. He forced the fumble and even with four Ravens around him then um, recovered his own fumble. So I'll go for number 26, Gino Stone as my Raven of the week, which means Gus Edwards, the um, hotshot running back that came back into their fold didn't even get we'll, one we'll, singular vote. I think he we'll, might get the fan vote. Mate. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give Gus like to Shane or James and we'll, I'll just stick that on Twitter and say they picked him anyway, so we're all fine there. All right, okay. A couple of bit of Ravens news before we get into the interview with Gary from Bucks UK ahead of the Thursday night Tampa Bay game. Um, we've cut Worley, but he's back on the practice squad, which opens up a roster spot. We think that might be for Bowser coming back this week. Ian, that feels a bit rushed for a Thursday night game. Had it been Sunday, do you think there's more chance of him seeing something out of him? I don't think he's done any as he practiced today. 
Uh, I think he's practicing. Um, I'm not sure whether he'll and he'll see the field, but the Ravens have got an open roster spot. They've got they had 21 days, didn't they, from when he started practicing to to actually sign him to the to the roster. So they've got to get him on the roster at some point. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's stuck on the roster. But there's we we spoke about the outside linebacking situation earlier. There's there's not a, a great busting um, need to get him in for for Thursday night. Um, you've, I think it's ten ten days before we play the Saints, so he, he's got that little rest anyway. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd imagine this is for Bowser. And then just a few notes on the injury report. Bateman not practicing. Hopefully, we've just let, given himself a bit of time to rest. Andrews out again. Uh, Mr. Monday, Tuesday night again. Ben is probably going to turn up on Thursday and everything's going to be fine, do you think, with these two? Yeah, hopefully. Um, I've not heard anything that's <clears throat> significantly concerning about it, but uh, you can understand that you're certainly about to come back from injury. Yep. Um, yeah, we, 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 we need them both, and obviously Andrew's more, um, but uh, it'll be nice to have them both. <laughs> okay, well, let's start looking ahead to that Thursday night game then, and we'll start by having Gary from Books UK on, who's going to talk about why a Books fan and the upcoming game. So we'll go to Gary, and then we will come back after. Let's go. preview the Thursday night game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we are joined by Gary from Books UK. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. No, the pleasure is all ours. So, Gary, tell us, why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Of all the NFL teams, when you first started getting into the game, why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, well, a uh, very simple uh, answer to that question, because I saw them play. Um, I, I've been following the sport since, believe it or not, the mid-70s, albeit back then you couldn't really follow it because there wasn't any coverage. Um, but in 1985, uh, I went over to meet a pen friend. Uh, she lived in Orlando. She took me to see the Bucks play. Um, they played the Rams. They lost. A very high-scoring game. That was October 1985, but I was absolutely hooked. And I've been a fan ever since. So before we um, hit record, we were just talking about the Books UK group and it, you had a compliment from Ben as to how well it was set up and running. Just tell us a little bit about the Books UK and, and, and what you guys do and, and what the community is like. Uh, well, the commun- community is fantastic. Um, the, uh, the fan club was set up originally in 1984. It's been running ever since. Um, the guy that ran it back in the day used to produce a newsletter, uh, a fantastic newsletter. He used to do it monthly in the off-season and weekly during the season, and he'd produce that by himself, mail it out to everybody, handwrite all the address envelopes, that sort of thing. It was fantastic. Uh, The internet, of course, changed that, and uh, everything is now done online. Um, we've got about 500 members. Uh, that varies from year to year, uh, invariably when we ask them for money at the start of the year. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's just been going from strength to strength. Uh, having Tom Brady on board obviously helps. We've got a lot of extra fans through him. Um, the one new innovation that we're doing this year, we did a couple last year, uh, watch parties, 
there have been two watch parties, one in London, one in Leeds. There's uh, one for when we play the Rams in a couple of weeks' time. That's in Birmingham. So, uh, you know, lots of fans, lots of red and pewter, and lots of beer being drunk. So uh, the community is fantastic. The um, Lots of competitions, uh, really good prizes. Uh, one of the conditions of getting tickets through the club that uh, we're able to do is you bring a prize back, so a T-shirt or a hoodie, something like that. That goes into the prize pot. So we do competitions every week, and the prizes that people win uh, are really excellent. Well, I think um, we can definitely relate to the um, the benefits of having fan meetups as well. That's something that we definitely enjoy doing since uh, sort of lockdown ceased, and we've had a few good ones. I don't know if in Leeds, if you went to the box, did you? It, 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 was it was it the box you went to in Leeds? No, it was a, a pub up in Student Land called the Library. We had a room upstairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, again, it was fantastic. We had the game on a big screen. Uh, it was the Saints game, uh, and we won, so that made it. Uh, even more pleasurable. It, it does it make was, those meets better, doesn't it? Um, certainly and, does. Yeah, yeah, certainly does. But I just could I just go back just quickly because I'm really into the old school fan club element of, of how you did. It. And, and initially, um, you know, the UK Ravens was kind of set up in a similar way in that it was a uh, quite a a, a niche um, uh, sort of fan club for. I guess more hardcore elements of of, uh, of the uh, it, it kind of required a certain level of fandom to enter, and I'm just curious because the original founder of the UK Ravens used to make people basically fill out a wire fan uh, form, and if it didn't meet his exacting standards, he he may not let them in the club because he didn't he, he thought they were fly by <laughs> not a bandwagon. Have you ever had that level of uh, of entry, or has it been a uh, bit more easy to get in? No, not quite. Not quite like that. Um, we get a lot of fans because obviously Florida is very much a, a tourist uh, state. So, um, you know, lots of fans of the uh, of the game, if they go to Florida, um, in the past tickets for, uh, for the Bucks have been relatively easy to get hold of because, you know, they weren't selling out because the team wasn't very good. But, you know, you know what us Brits are like when we, when we see a team, when we follow a team. We follow a team, don't we? We don't give up on them. Um, so, you know, we've got, uh, we've still got one member who was one of the first members from 1984. Uh, a guy called Phil McKenzie is still in the club now. Uh, and like me, he's been through thick and thin in terms of the uh, the way the team has played and the, the success of the Super Bowl team in 2002 3 as the Super Bowl was. Um, but he's seen some absolute dross in the meantime. Um, but we're still fans. Okay, so let's talk, bring it up to date and talk about the upcoming game on Thursday night then. Um, well, in fact, before I do that, let's talk about how your season's been so far. Can you just give us a quick wrap-up on and how this season's looked and... Um, is it, is it where you thought the Bucks would be um, at this point? No, it's not, in fairness. Uh, I think any Buck fan will tell you they expected us to be much better than we are. Uh, we are now three and four. Um, we had a murderer's row of games for the first four. Um, we had um, the Cowboys. Um, I can't even think who it was. Oh, Cowboys was first game, Saints second. 
And then Packers and Chiefs, um, we won the first two, lost the second two. I was at the second two in Tampa, the Chiefs and Packers. Uh, should have beaten the Packers. Um, the The problem has been the last two or three weeks. They've been absolutely, and it, I can't sugarcoat it, they've been dreadful. Uh, the game they played against uh, the Panthers last Sunday was probably the worst performance I've seen from the team ever. And I've been at games where they've lost 40-0. Uh, or, you know, and in fact, I was at one game, they were losing 40-0 at half-time. Um, so the game against the Panthers was was horrible in all three aspects of the of the of the game. I don't know what's going on. Something is not quite clicking. You know, Brady has been a little bit off. My, I don't know if you saw the pass that Mike Evans dropped on about the third or fourth play of the game last week. Mike Evans catches that ninety nine point nine times out of a hundred, and you know, you could argue that the whole game turned that early on that one pass. Um, so they've been very up and down. And I've got to be honest, I'm very fearful of the um, the Ravens coming to town this Thursday. So just give us a, a, a quick overview, Gary, if you will, of the of the Tom Brady experience. Obviously, as Ravens fans, I hate the guy. and I've got no time <laughs> for him whatsoever. But if he was the Ravens quarterback, I'm sure I'd love him. Was As, as a sort of, an, an older fan, I think I can I can say that. Was, was he a guy when he was on the Patriots you you disliked completely, and then he joined your club, and suddenly you know you're in love with him, or has it been a bit of a, a slow process? You've you've summed it up completely and 100 percent accurately. There, I spent 20 years hating the guy, absolutely absolutely hating him. Now thinking back on it, it's more a case of hating the success that he had rather than the individual. Uh, I remember a couple of years before he joined us, I, I saw an interview with uh, with him uh, done by Willie McGuinness, and his personality came through a little bit in that interview. And I remember thinking then, he's not as bad as I think he is. When he came to us, of course, uh, I've loved the guy ever since. I, I'll hold my hands up and say I didn't want him. I thought he was washed up. Um you know, I would have stuck with Jameis Winston, to be brutally honest with you. I'm quite a fan of Jameis on the quiet. Um, but m- my opinion of Tom Brady changed almost instantly with his with his demeanour, his work ethic, his sense of humour is, uh, is quite something. And he's just so driven. It is untrue. Um, and he has absolutely worked wonders for this team. He really has. And, of course, he... He won us the Super Bowl in his first year. So, um, you know, I, I, as I say, I've spent 20 years hating him. He's my new best friend. I love the guy now. Now, um, just before we move off, Tom, there's some people are saying that he's not looking like the Tom Brady of old, especially there seems to have been quite a rapid drop-off between um, certainly last season and, and the last few games. Um, do you think that that is the case? Do you think that he maybe should have maybe packed it in, if not after the Super Bowl, after last year? I mean, he, he retired, then unretired again. Um, what's your view on the current Tom Brady? Um, he's, he's not as good as last year. There's no question about that. But 
the biggest problem is not Tom Brady. The biggest problem is the offensive line. And what Tom Brady does, and we saw it in last year and the year before, if somebody clatters into him early on in the game, he's very fearful from that point, and he throws it away really quickly. And you saw that again last Sunday against the Panthers. Very early on, he got hit. We've got a, a rookie left guard, Luke Gadecki, who really isn't playing up to the, the standard he should be. They're, they're teeing off on him, um, and Tom Brady is very fearful of it. So he's getting rid of the ball a lot quicker. Because of that, um, throws a little bit off, uh, a little bit low in many, many cases. He threw one to Mike Evans that, uh, last Sunday that, that went way over his head and Mike nearly got it in fairness, but uh, he's about the only player on the field who would have caught it. Um, he's just been a little bit off, and, but I suspect it's more to do with the supporting cast than him. He can still wing it. He threw that, that pass that Mike Evans dropped. I mean, what did that go through the air? 50 mm -hmm. yards? Yeah. And that's pretty good for a 45-year-old quarterback. Yeah, and he's and obviously lost uh, to uh, Ryan Jensen, who a lot of Ravens fans will be familiar with as well, who was a, a cracking uh, elite centre. So, uh, okay, well, aside from uh, Tom, um, as Ravens fans, who should we be concerned about facing um, this Thursday night on the Bucks team? Um, well, in terms of offence, um, Mike Evans, obviously. Chris Godwin is now back to health. I don't think the running backs will scare you. Um, Fournette has been really not very good this year. In fact, he's been outplayed by the rookie, Rashad White. Um, we Gronk was a huge miss when he retired, so none of the tight ends. I mean, we've got a good one, a guy called... Uh, Cade Otten, he will be good, but he's only a rookie, and a rookie tight end is not going to scare anybody. Um, so you have to say on offense, um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. On defense, the, the best player we have is not going to play. He went out with a concussion um, on, on Sunday. That's Antoine Winfield Jr. He is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's going to be a buck for many, many years to come, I hope. Um, arguably much better player than his dad. Uh, by far our best player on defence. Uh, but he's not going to play. There won't be anybody else that will scare you, to be honest. The D-line um, have been completely anonymous. Shaq Barrett hasn't done a thing uh, last year, rookie last year, Joe Tryon Showinka has done nothing. Logan Hall, this year's, uh, well, he was actually a second-round pick, but he was the, the Bucks' first pick. He's done nothing. Half the secondary are injured anyway. So, um, you know, nothing to scare you there. Uh, special teams, well, we don't have a return game. It's pathetic, quite frankly. Um, probably our best player is Ryan Suckup. He's by far the most consistent. Uh, but field goals are not going to win it. So um, really the answer to the question is Mike Evans, but then quite frankly, Mike Evans and Tom Brady are probably the answer to any question you ask about the books. <laughs> this next question might might be just as obvious then. Who who on the Ravens, flipping it round, who on the Ravens scares you the most? Who are you oh, worried about? Well, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not overly familiar with the Ravens, um, but there is obviously one name and... 
looking how we've been completely carved up by uh, PJ Walker last week, um, by, I'm desperately trying to think who the quarterback for the Steelers was the week before, but he was a no-name. Was it Kenny Pickett? Kenny Pickett, that's the guy. He went out injured and then uh, Trubisky came in uh, and they just carved us up, absolutely carved us up. So the only person who scares me, uh, and I hope he wakes up with a with the flu on Thursday morning, uh, obviously is uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, we won't be able to stop him. He will He will run amok. He, I confidently predict he'll get 100 yards rushing in the game. Well, this might be a meeting of two fan groups, both in a really dark place. Because um, <laughs> across this side of the uh, of the Zoom call, we're we're also in a pretty dark place. And it's been said that um, playing the Ravens is a good way for teams to sort of get healthy and find the way, especially in the fourth quarter. We've not been incredibly good at closing out games this year, so. Let's see what Thursday night brings. What we ask all our guests to do, Gary, before we let you go, is give us a score prediction for Thursday night. So we do keep track of this sort of thing. Um, so just to put a bit more pressure on you, the guests are currently winning this game um, by quite a margin at the moment, which is terrible <laughs> on us, but um, great on the combined guests. So can we get from you, please, a score prediction and then some kind of player prop. You think player X may achieve Y or something along those lines, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, goodness. Um, I do a prediction competition with a couple of mates. We, he, a Steelers fan and a Bears fan. And I've just done my prediction for this week's game. And I normally let head rule, no, heart rule head. And I would have said, but win. But quite frankly, the way they're playing, I can't, I just can't do it. So my prediction in this other little competition I do was Ravens 31, but 17. I really hope I'm wrong. Um, I hope it's the other way around, but uh, I don't think it will be. Um, and sorry, what was the other part of your and question? Just in terms of a player prop, so you think the Ravens are going to win? Do you think you're going to? You said you thought Lamar Jackson had run rushed for over 100 yards. Should we go for that as your player prop as well? I th- I think that's that's nailed on. If I was a betting man, I'd be down the bookies tomorrow to uh, to um, you know get that bet on. But he will he will run amok. He won't need to throw it. He can run everywhere. Okay. We won't be able to stop him. Well, before we let you go, then where can we where can we follow along? Where can we find the UK books online um, and send some messages on Thursday night throughout the game? Um, well, we're on all the social media channels. Um, just search for Bucks UK. Uh, the website address. The website is being updated at the moment, but it's uh, BucksUK.org, and all the details of the um, of the club are on there. The, uh, we have a forum, which is by far the most active part of it. Um, we get um, it, it's it's um, group therapy. I think is probably the best way to call it <laughs> during a game, especially a game the way they played the last two weeks. You know, we're just literally virtually holding each other's hands, uh, even though we're spread all around the country. Just on the forum on the website, so it's uh, bucksuk.org. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time this evening, Gary, and um, good luck with the game on Thursday night. We'll we'll catch you next time around. Thank you very much. Indeed. My pleasure. Thanks, thanks very much thanks for having us, Gary.
Cheers, appreciate And there goes Gary from Books UK. So Shane isn't here as the um, eagle-eared listeners may have noticed. Eagle-eared, that's definitely not right, but eagle-eared listeners may have noticed. Bat-eared. Bat-eared listeners may have noticed. So I believe, Ian, has the baton been passed on to you for for history time? (laughs) It it hasn't been passed. Well, Shane definitely didn't pass it on. He wouldn't wouldn't trust me with his segment, and I won't do it justice anyway. So... I'm not going to try and and give you some Tampa Bay Ravens history squished together, um, but Google does inform me that that Baltimore and Tampa Bay have played six times before. Baltimore leads the series four games to two. So there you go. There's a little stat for you. Lamar has faced Tampa Bay before. Uh, it was back in 2018 at M&T Bank Stadium. The Ravens won that game 20 to 12 with a, a touchdown. Reception by a Chris Moore. Everyone remember Chris Moore? Special team phenom. Uh, Number 10. And a a running back in that game for the Ravens had 19 carries for 104 yards. His name was Gus Edwards. So there's good good signs for for Thursday night. But um, one one game I do want to talk about. I just want to talk about the last time the Ravens played at Raymond James Stadium. It was back in December of 2014. Does anyone remember that game and what was significant about that game? Uh, no, can I just start by saying I, I'm very shocked that the connection here wasn't um, the time that the Ravens played in Raymond James Stadium in 2001, 2002, when they Super won the 28th of January 2001. Where T- they T- won. Shane, Shane would have gone down that route. It's too easy. Come on, so, 2014, 2014, December. Where are we in 2014? Is that what, was significant, what was significant about that game? about the game in 2000. That, so that was like the dark ages just after the Super Bowl. We had like, well, we've had Steve Smith by then. I'm not, is, is it Steve Smith's first game as a Raven? Not Steve Smith's first game. Steve Smith was on the team and he was the leading receiver going into that game. A certain Joe Flacco in that game threw five touchdown passes in the first half. Four of them coming in the first quarter. Four touchdown passes in the first quarter. The Ravens scored five touchdowns in 16 game minutes. They were touchdown passes caught by Tory Smith had two. Kamar Aiken had one. Gaz's favourite, Michael Campanaro, caught pass. It's, a, it's an absolute beauty, actually, that Campanaro catches. He goes, he climbs the ladder and catches one. And Steve Smith caught, caught the last one. He went for a, over 100 yards in this game. Um, the Ravens won that game 48-17. to 17. That was the last time last time they played in that stadium. And I think it still stands as as the fastest five touchdown five touchdowns scored. As we say, six sixteen game minutes. Wow. So there you go. There's some Ravens Tampa Bay history for you. Well, let's hope for the same today. Well, today, not today, Thursday <laughs> evening then. So let's look ahead um at that game. Obviously, we've gone through most of it um with Gary from the books. UK, but the I guess just a, a quick thing that we have to do. Ben, I understand if you pressure Tom Brady up the middle, then the game's over. So is this how we is this how we win the game? Yeah, yeah. It seems to be. I mean, you're from uh, again. We're playing a, a a QB that basically can't move and requires time to damage you. And it does seem that the Bucks have significant issues with their offensive line. And it fortunately also seems that we've suddenly found some, going back to that word again, mojo, 
with our uh, defensive line and our and our ends and our outside linebackers <clears throat> being able to uh, put ple- put pressure on on QBs like Brady. So um, yeah, I think um, the the um, the pressure firstly, and also our improving secondary, which uh, Ian touched on before, has been pretty darn solid um, the last few games. Uh, certainly gets helped by. Uh, 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 by by uh, by pressure from where it should be coming on on Brady, so I think we can get uh, early and often pressure on Brady on offense, uh, sorry on on defense, and then um, you know stop them as well from running. Which there's not really a threat, so we don't have to worry too much about it because Fournette's looking terrible and their running game is non-existent. So you know, on paper, uh, it looks kind of okay. Gary told us that if you hit Tom Brady, you can you can get him shaken and he'll start throwing the ball away. The Ravens will hit him. They they've shown they're, they're not they're not scared to hit someone. Um, poor Adafioe is getting killed for his lack of production. But if you, if you look at again PFF numbers and hurries and all that, he's he's right up there for the amount of actual pass rushing he's doing. He's dropping out an awful lot, but his actual pass rushing. But they'll they'll hit Brady whether he's thrown the ball or not. They'll you know they'll get him on the ground. I've got no no worries about that. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's key to the game. Is that he's not a Josh Allen, he's not a, even a Tua, someone like that who's going to move around a little bit and make you miss. Um, I think it will be easier to to get him on the ground than some of the quarterbacks we've played we've played this year. Cool. How much would it cost to? Uh, I'm not paying for it myself, but you know, for the Ravens, we're talking about the Super Bowl team being there this weekend and maybe giving Patrick Queen a bit of extra motivation because <laughs> sort of seen some of those players. How much would it cost just to bring Terrell Suggs with us this week and have him on the sideline just looking at Brady the entire game? <laughs> you, maybe nothing. Knowing Suggs, you might just turn yeah, up anyway. Yeah, he's probably going south, yeah. <laughs> Any advantage? Probably fly the team. Coming out of the away tunnel with the Bane mask on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um... Offense, Ian, anything else on the other side of the ball? Anything we need to think about with the offense? Just try and let it all glue together, I guess. I'd, I'd like to see Lamar just just let it go. Just just let a few rip. Um, I want to see Bateman healthy. I'm, I'm not sure Mark Andrews is particularly healthy. If he's not, I, I, he played an awful lot of snaps last week for someone who, who didn't get a target. Like, If he's not 100% healthy, we have got this mini buy. Get likely out there for a bit. Let him let him do that role. I want to see Bateman used. I'd love. To, I keep banging on about Duvernay. I, I'm, I'm still going up against James on this one. We we have to get Duvernay eight to ten touches a game. I don't care how you get the ball in his hands. Just just get him the ball. Um, and I just I just want to see this offense have a little bit more fun. Cool. Um, okay, let's go into the picks then, Ian. As standard, you are up first for your pick. Let's please uh, for your in terms of the standings. I haven't filled yours in from last week yet. I'm a bit behind on my board, so um, we'll have to hang on till hopefully the gang's back together next week, and we'll have a bit of an update as to where we stand. And that's nothing to do with the fact that I didn't get any points this week at all. So, Ian, where where are we going this I, week? I went for a Ravens win last week, and I think that's about the only thing I got right. So, um. I was looking through my predictions and I've picked the Ravens to win every week so far. And looking at the schedule, I'm probably going to pick them an awful lot more. But I can't pick them every week. I I can't do it. I can't go through the whole podcast season picking the Ravens to win every week. It's a Thursday night. 
Thursday night games are horrible. The away team's always awful. Do I think the Ravens can win this game? Yes. Should they win this game? Yes. I'm going to give them a loss in just a horrible game that I've sat up all night for, for no reason and wasted my time. And I'm going to feel horrible on Friday. I'm going Ravens 17, Buccaneers 19 in just an absolute horror show of a game. I, this this team's still all over the shop for me. I, I can't trust them at all. My My player prop... I really don't want to do this because I've been thinking about this all, all day as well. And I think Shane's gone with a coach prop before with his Vic Fangio running on the field. But my my prop's going to be a coach prop. And rightly or wrongly, I think this is going to be Greg Roman's last game as offensive coordinator. Wow, the sky is falling I, Ian's house tonight. I I don't think it's I'm going to I don't think it's a Roman problem. And I think this is extremely harsh. He's been offensive coordinator for five years. And he's had a, a top 10 offense in four of those years. And at the minute, his offense is fifth in the league in points per game. I think this is incredibly harsh. But something's not right with this offense. And if you are going to pay Lamar Jackson what I think the Ravens are going to pay him, I think at some stage, you have to see whether it's going to work without Greg Roman. Greg Roman's had five years. If, you, if you're not getting a team to a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl, that's an eternity for a coordinator. At some point, he's not going to be Lamar's coordinator. I think if you're going to give Lamar that money, you have to see what it looks like without Roman. Is it Roman? Is it Lamar? Is it a mixture of the two of them? What's going on? I might be a week early on this one. This is my only thought. I was going to hang on for a week and, and get to the bye. But I, I think this is about time. And I hate saying that because I've, I've been a Roman fan. And I'm, I'm still not a hater. I just think... Something has to change. Something, I don't know what it is. Well, nothing would have prepared me for you to say that, honestly. Um, you're, you're usually the, the the shining light of the podcast, and even when everyone else is picking against the Ravens, um, you're the guy that picks for them. So I, I would I would have picked the Ravens this week, but like I say, I've picked them every week so far, and I probably will do for the rest of the season until we get to Cincinnati. Okay, Ben. Well, <laughs> follow that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's pull myself out of the noose for a second and uh, give you my... <laughs> my uh, yeah, I, I I guess if Ian's gone that direction, I'm going to have to go the other, one, the other direction. Um, and even though I have my, um, my, my worries about this week, not least because of the aforementioned uh, horrendous short week trips places like florida on prime time where we've just laid eggs uh miami's fresh in our minds uh, and as i said earlier on places like jacksonville as well have delivered us a poor, i think it's monday night football with flacco one night we we had a horrendous game in jacksonville and, and lost there too um and you know the nearly uh, is the one and 15 dolphin season we went there as well and lost so we do have a tendency to play down to opposition and and it doesn't help when you're not clicking on all cylinders um as well or firing all cylinders um, having said that, having sort of talked it through tonight, um, and actually got such a negative uh, reaction from our Tampa Bay brethren, I'm actually feeling a bit better about, about this week's <laughs> game. Uh, and also looking at the, uh, and also having watched the highlights on Game Pass. I mean, the Bucks were truly, truly awful at the weekend. Now, um, yes, they're at home and it's on prime time, and Brady's going to want to prove something. But this is not a team playing well. This is a team that's 
considerably worse than the Ravens at the moment, no matter how many problems the Ravens have. Um, and I am heartened by, A, our potential ability to get to Brady early and often and cause problems on, on their uh, offense, and also, B, Lamar's uh, potential to wreak havoc again on prime time, which may actually work in our favor as far as Lamar wanting to just to get it done, sh- unleash under the lights, and also having the defense to accommodate him doing that as well. They do have several key starters out. Um, so I'm going to go Ravens blowout, and I think we're going to smash him this Thursday night. Um, so I'm going to say it's going to be 35-10 Ravens, and um, I'm going to go totally crazy and say that um, somehow Rashad Bateman's going to have two touchdowns. Bateman, two TDs. Right, love okay. it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> so I think I'm going to go somewhere in the middle of year. Um, we've, we've we've got the monkey off us back with the game against the Browns. We're no longer going to crash in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady is old and he has got no offensive line. So I'm going to go for a Ravens win. I will say it's going to be 23 to 16. I think we're still going to be kicking a lot of field goals, but we're going to be capitalizing off um, just a, a tired out um, books defense of player prop. I'm going to go for five different Ravens to get a sack. I was going to pick an. I was going to pick an individual one. Um, I was going to. What did I have? I did have a couple of others. Sorry, I've got all sorts of things things going up on my screen. I had Travis Jones as one. I had Calais Campbell as one. I had Justin Houston as one. At the side, I do went. Oh, screw it. Let's go for five because they'll blitz somebody off the edge. So we'll go for five different Ravens um, to have a sack. There was one I was going to put on there. I've decided not to go for it because. This is a points game and I can't be just doing out completely mad predictions. But I'm going to say it on the podcast and just put it into existence. I'm going for Jackson to have a 50-plus yard touchdown. And that is Deshaun Jackson to have a (laughs) 50-plus yard touchdown. If he gets activated, he's going to come out, he's going to have one monster reception and then he's never going to be seen again. And if... um, Andrews and Bateman are not practicing or looking down. This might be the thing where Deshaun Jackson gets activated on Thursday and that's an absolute rocket um, from Lamar Jackson. So I'm not putting that as a prop. Um, I might claim the points if it comes in there. We'll see. We'll see how we'll see how the points land. Right, okay. Um, ben, it's been very nice having you on the podcast for the last few weeks. We didn't know how much we'd get to see you this year with how busy you are. I'm also going to hope that you're going to be coming on um, in a couple of weeks to talk about your upcoming trip. Do you want to tell us about the trip that you've you've got planned ahead? Yes, well, um, it is a Ravens trip and, and we were looking, we should have been there at the moment. Originally, the yeah, I try and do the UK Ravens trip every year and, and this year what jumped out when I saw the schedule was was seeing Cleveland at home and then going to Tampa but unfortunately it coincided with half term by that time flights from Florida were you know with that element were coming in ridiculous money so that kind of nixed that that idea um so we ended up uh, looking at the away trip uh, to New Orleans which I'm very much looking forward to so that'll be uh, four nights um leaving on the 3rd of November we are going to see LSU Alabama because why not it's playing down the road so we've got a coach and 
we're off to see uh, that, which is looking quite good now because I think LSU are ranked 20 in the nation, Alabama are three. So um, it's now just been announced it's going to be a 6 p.m. game. So I'll be honest, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Just insane Death Valley um, atmosphere uh, where I don't really care who wins either. So that always helps. Mm. Um, and then obviously we've got Sunday in New Orleans just waiting for the Ravens game on Monday night. So it's just going to be French Quarter and watching NFL, which is... Um, you know, I don't want to knock on his field, but um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bourbon Street slightly tops it, and then uh, and then some, and then Monday night uh, we've got Raven Saints. So you know, you have to think we've got a fair chance in that one. Um, I think the, the the Ravens fans love going to New Orleans, so there'll be a lot of purple and black in New Orleans um, that weekend. So it's always great just hanging out with away Ravens fans on road trips and. Um, I'm sure we'll see many of them and then we'll talk in our, all right, Governor, I'm from England and then they'll buy us drinks. So it's a double winner. And so, yes, if you're listening and you're in America, because I think we have some American listeners and you're coming to New Orleans, uh, look us up. We'll be around or follow us on Twitter or something. We'll, um, I'll make sure I'll send the messages out to what's going on. I'm sure I'll, I'll post a few videos of varying levels of comprehension for Ian to try and decipher. Um, try remember and keep that it, landscape. Keep it in landscape. landscape. Keep it in landscape. Um, and yeah, looking forward to it. And also, as I mentioned a few months ago, we also have Coach Jeff Reinbold from Sky Sports just coming out and joining us. Uh, uh, he's coming out actually on the Sunday, so he's not coming out for the LSU game, but he's coming out Sunday afternoon and then we're going to hang out with him Sunday night and then he's coming to the Ravens game and he's sitting with us. So he's going to have to cheer for the Ravens. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll try and get him to give a shout out to UK Ravens as well while we're at it. I've got to admit, when I saw this um, trip get released, I was like, I'd have loved to have come, but damned wife making me get, <laughs> making me get married get, this make year. Making me married and going on a wonderful honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Damn you. Um, but no, it looks like um, a good trip. So it looks like you'll have a really good time. We are going to have another beat up after the success of Huddersfield. Um, we're going to do another couple on the run up to Christmas. I think we're going to do, we're looking like simultaneous nights, one up north, one down south. We're looking at December the 11th, which I think we've calculated to be the Steelers away game. Is that correct? Yes. Everyone's looking at me blank faced. No. Sorry, I, I, I lost you there completely. Um, <laughs> So I, I my computer completely froze. So I, I guess you gave all the information about the eleventh. We're, we're just confirming that we're at Pittsburgh on the eleventh of December. Yes, at that, that's, that's yeah. Simultaneously, so. north and south. Uh, so the morning in London. Um, ben and I are going to look at either Leeds or Manchester by the time this podcast comes out tomorrow. Hopefully, there'll be some sort of poll on the Facebook group and potentially on Twitter as well to see which city works out best for everybody. We will book probably the box in either Leeds or Manchester because they are very good hosts for us. And they will have the tickets out for both by next week sometime, Ian. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. The The London venue is booked now, so we're, we're good to go there. Um, you guys pull your finger out and get the north sorted and and yeah tickets will be will be out and available um the, the only thing we've got to hope is that this game doesn't get flexed till the sort of late window but the Steelers are that bad that I can't see that being that being a problem no I think we should be okay okay so let's go ahead to next week then we'll be back on Thursday the 3rd of November where we're going to be reviewing the Ravens win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rounding the news and previewing our away trip to the Superdome to play the Saints with Ben in attendance and that can only lead to good mojo 
Maybe we need to have a good mojo <laughs> sign made for your trip. Um, and hopefully we'll be talking about which stud wide receiver the Ravens have, have traded for or signed. Can you find stud wide receivers off the street? Let's find out. If you'd like to be involved with the show, please email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. And until next week, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. Kevon Seymour, apparently, is number 25. Kevon Seymour. Kevon Seymour, is that who was down at the end? Yeah. Not that I've spent the last two minutes watching games. Suddenly Seymour. Exactly, I was going to say that. Uh, Got blocked. He's going to down it at the one. Alright, cool. Let's go for. Um, By the way, yeah, I'll, I'll, no, after we fi- after we finish recording, because this is going the Easter eggs. After we finish recording, I want to say something. To you. All right, okay, we'll come back in with the Riverside FM tune. <laughs> we should just have this as the intro. This is a way better than the iPhone. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett.